1: forget this one thing dear friends with the lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day verse nine the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness he's patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance there is only one reason listen to me carefully listen to what god just said there is only one reason jesus has not come because he wants people to be saved
0: It's possible that we're entering the end of days. According to biblical prophecy, nothing more needs to happen before Jesus returns. That said, Pastor Danny encourages us to continue sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. As much as we'd like to give up on this world, throw our hands in the air and wait for Jesus' return, our job as Christians isn't finished. God wants no one to perish. He desires to bring as many into his kingdom as possible before he sends his son for the second time. Now, here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3, for today's edition of the Living Word.
1: And he preaches repentance, and the whole city of these godless people gets saved. Why? Because God loved them. And he loved them enough to send a prophet and warn them. And they listened, they heeded, and they were saved. And I'm going to see all those people in heaven. That's amazing, isn't it? And then you get to Micah. Micah chapter 1, verse 3 Look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads the high places of the earth. The mountains melt beneath him. The valleys split apart like wax before the fire, like water rushing down a slope. All this is because of Jacob's transgression, because of the sins of the house of Israel. Say, same message. Hey, your sin is going to bring the judgment of God, but if you will repent, God will forgive, God will save. Micah chapter 4 verse 1. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills. We read that in Isaiah. It goes on to say the very same thing. Settle disputes for strong nations. Beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. What a great message. What a great hope. You turn to the right from Nahum. Our next prophetic stop, or I'm sorry, from Micah, is Nahum. Nahum, chapter 1, verse 2 The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes, maintains his wrath against his enemies. But then it says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished. But he is slow to anger. And the message in Nahum, same thing, two sides. One is, (laughs) if you don't repent, You're headed for damnation. But if you do repent, glorious hope, glorious, glorious future. And then you get Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 1. Let me just tell you what happens. Habakkuk is complaining. Lord, when are you going to put an end to all this godlessness I see around me? When are you going to put an end to it? And God answers, but he doesn't like the answer. I'm going to bring judgment through the Babylonians. And the message is still the same. Judgment is coming, but if you'll repent, God will forgive. You can be saved. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16. I'll wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, I'll rejoice in the Lord. Because he has hope beyond the present world. Then you get to Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 1 Sounds very familiar. You're probably tired of hearing it. You got to hear it again anyway. Verse 2 I'll sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I'll sweep away both men and animals. I'll sweep away the birds, the fish of the sea. The wicked will only have heaps of rubble when I cut off man from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. And yet, same message of hope, of forgiveness of an opportunity to experience the last part of chapter 2, verse 11. The nations on every shore will worship him, everyone in its own land. Glorious future. Then you pass Haggai and you get to Zechariah. And Zechariah prophesies in chapter 13, verses 8 and 9, in the tribulation period, verse 8, and the whole land declares the Lord, two-thirds of Israel will be struck down and perish, yet one-third will be left in it. This third I'll bring into the fire, they'll... Be refined like silver and tested like gold. They'll call on the name, on my name, and I'll answer them. I'll say they are my people. And they will say the Lord is our God. And then you get to the last prophet, Malachi. And as you find Malachi, you look in chapter 4, verse 1. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire says the Lord Almighty not a root or a branch will be left to them but for you who revere my name those who repent the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you'll go out and leap like calves released from the stall and then you'll trample down the wicked they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things says the Lord Almighty that's what Peter wanted us to recall to stimulate our minds to wholesome thinking. Back in 2 Peter 3, verse 2 again, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets. That's just a sampling of their words. And the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. What command? I'm going to suggest one to you. Find Matthew's gospel, the first of the New Testament, And go to chapter 24. Don't have time to read the whole chapter. Let me tell you what's happening here. The disciples come to Jesus and call his attention to the beauty of the buildings of Herod's temple. Which he built for the Jewish people. To get their support. And as they call Jesus' attention to the beautiful buildings. Here's what he says. Verse 2. Do you see all these things? I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. That took them aback. That literally happened. We have the historical record, 70 A.D., Titus, the Roman general, and his army. They came in, ransacked Jerusalem, not one stone, in the temple was left upon another. Literally happened. They think he's talking about the end of the world as they know it. So they say on the Mount of Olives, uh, tell us, verse 3, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so he obliges them, and he gives sign after sign after sign. We're not going to read through all the signs that he gives. I want our attention focused beginning in verse 36. Here's what Jesus says. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the son of man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And every time I read this next verse, let me just read it. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That, that, every time I read it, I get this nervousness, this anxiousness. this What do you mean they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood took them all away? For 120 years, Noah had been warning them, judgment is coming, judgment is coming. You need to repent. If you do not repent, you will be damned. But you don't have to be. And 120 years while he's saying that to them, he's building the very means for their escape, for their salvation. He's building the ark. But after 120 years of warning them and building the means of everyone having the opportunity to be saved, only eight people get in the ark. Only eight. They knew nothing about what would happen until the day the flood took them all away. It's not because they had not heard. It's not because they had not been warned. It's because they didn't pay attention and they did not repent. All of them could have been saved. Verse 42, Matthew 24. Here's the command by our Lord through his apostles. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. He's talking to believers. Verse 44, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. You won't have time to get ready. And if you think you will, you're just insulting the very words of Jesus Christ. He says you will not have time to get ready. Won't have time. So back in 2 Peter, now that we know what Peter wanted us to recall, the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Keep watch. Be ready. Verse 3, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Scoffers, they, they scoff, they're also interpreted as mockers. The idea is they don't believe the truth, they ignore the truth willingly. Um, there's all kind of theories, you know, out there scoffers have. They have their own ideas of human history and what's happening. Uh, A German philosopher named George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel years ago birthed the view that the history of the world is a magnificent progress uh, worked out toward a time that we eventually will arrive at this glorious state. In other words, things are going to get better and better until we're going to arrive in this glorious state. Some people still believe that. Karl Marx borrowed from that view and created what... uh, It's called communism, and communism uh, also, in essence, believes that you'll arrive at a state of perfection wherein we'll all live in a classless society, and I hope you got enough evidence to know how well communism is working. (laughs) Then there's the much older view of the Greek philosophers, and their uh, view is that history is a matter of cycles with civilizations rising and falling over time, and then endlessly repeating the process, and they'll just keep on going. Then there's the modern scientific view, which uh, is connected with the second law of thermodynamics. Now, I went online and actually found a definition of the law, second law of thermodynamics that I can understand. And it goes like this, the amount of usable energy in a closed system will decrease over time. Let me give it another way, and I think we'll all get it. The ones that take this modern scientific view say that The world is just like a clock and the creation, you know, they don't believe it's creation, just the world and everything. It's like a clock that's been wound tightly and over a period of time, it's just winding down. And once it completely winds down, then life on the planet will just cease. It's over. I'll give you one more view. People believe this stuff. And that's a view that many professional historians take. And it says that history is a, I quote, a meaningless, lawless, shapeless sequence of events. But that's not what the Bible says. You can believe what you want. You can be with the scoffers. You know, there are pastors in our own community, pastors who claim to be Christians, who don't believe in a literal Genesis flood. I put them in the realm of the scoffers. What do those people say to Jesus? He believed in a literal flood and he believed it was universal. Peter, the apostle, believed in a literal flood and he believed it was universal. You just go back to 2 Peter chapter 3, pick it up again, verse 5. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. God sent judgment and it was universal. By the same word, same word that brought the flood, God's word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men, those who refuse to receive God's gracious offer of salvation if they just repent. Now, let me point out a couple of things real quick. Nobody deserves heaven. None of us. We're all born into sin. We're all sinners. We all deserve judgment. But with that said, God loves us as sinners for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. God wants everybody to be saved. We'll read that in just a minute too. The judgment is for those who refuse to repent. Revelation 6, the martyrs are crying out to the Lord. How long, O Lord, until you come and do something about the godlessness and especially those who took our own lives because of our faith in you? When are you going to do something? And the answer comes back from heaven, just a little longer, just a little longer. When I read places like Hebrews chapter 11, you have a stark contrast. You read about those who escaped the fury of the flames, and you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and their escape from the fiery furnace. Those who shut the mouths of lions, and you think of Daniel and the lion's den, and how he was miraculously uh, delivered. It says some women received back from the dead, the children they had lost, and those are glorious testimonies. And then it takes this unbelievable turn and it says others were tortured and refused to be released, suggesting they would have been released had they recanted on their fate, but they would not recant. And so they died. A martyr's death. Some faced years in flogging, were chained and put in prison, stones, sawn in two, put to death with the sword, went around in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated, wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. The world was not worthy of them. I understand the culture we live in. We don't see a whole lot of that kind of stuff. But let me tell you, there are places in the world where our own brothers and sisters in Christ are experiencing those kind of things. They're experiencing those kind of things. I read about that. I hear about that. I cry out, how long, O Lord? And I say with all sincerity, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And straighten things out. And deal with the godless that are persecuting the godly. But while I cry out sincerely and I long for Jesus to come, there's another side to this prophetic coin. Verse 8, 2 Peter 3, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. You either like that statement or you don't like it. Now if you go away and think about it, you'll end up looking like me, you'll lose hair. Because here's what I'm saying, listen, listen, you can't wrap your mind around it, but God does not live at all, at all in the realm of time. He's eternal. Now you can't totally grab, grab that with your mind, but God does not dwell in time. He created time. You with me? But he lives above time. He's eternal. While he does not dwell in the realm of time, he works in time. Genesis 15, 16, the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. I'm going to give them a little more time. Genesis, Galatians 4, 4, when the time had fully come, God sent his son in time. Romans 5, 6, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God doesn't dwell in time, but he works in time. But it's his time. When I cry out, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and he doesn't come. And I see the continued godlessness and the pain, especially of God's people. What do I do? Do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There is only one reason. Listen to me carefully. Listen to what God just said. There is only one reason Jesus has not come, because he wants people to be saved. If he came right now and brought the judgment that the world deserves, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going into an eternity, and you will never have a second chance, and you will be damned for eternity. That's what the Bible says. You don't have to believe it, but that's what it says. That's what it says, repeatedly. You don't have to believe it, but it's the truth, and the only reason... God's allowing his children to continue to suffer at the hands of a godless world is because he loves that godless world. Paul the apostle said, I suffer everything for the sake of the elect, for those who will be saved through my life and ministry. I suffer everything because God wants them to be saved. 2 Peter 3 verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. God is staying his hand, but it won't be forever. There's coming a time where you won't have another chance. The end is going to come. The day of the Lord will come, and it'll come like a thief. You won't have time to get ready. You must be ready. Verse 11 Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But now just like the prophets that we looked at, look at the turn here in verse 13. But in keeping with his promise, we, we, if you've repented, if you know Jesus, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Pause there just for a moment. Let's be reminded of what that's going to be like. Revelation. Chapter 21, verse 1, here it is. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. But there's water and there's saltwater fish in fresh water. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And here's what he's going to do. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. You'll never, ever, ever cry again. Never. There will be no more death. You'll never, there's no graveyard. There's no funeral homes. There's no funeral. There's nothing like that. There'll be no more death or mourning. You won't ever mourn somebody's loss. Or crying. Or for those over 50, no more pain. (laughs) There are no doctors in heaven. You don't need them. There are no wheelchairs. No canes. No taxes. (laughs) No Democrats. No Republicans. No independents. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the truth. This is what I'm looking forward to. This is the world I'm going to live in. And it's never going to end. Never, ever going to end. 2 Peter 3 verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote with you with the wisdom that God gave him. Don't miss this before we close. Landing gear is down. They're preparing your lunch, but listen, listen, listen. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Let me tell you another simple way of saying that, of translating that verse. Don't concentrate on the things in the Bible that you do not understand. There are things in the Bible I do not understand. That's not what I'm concentrating on. I'm concentrating on the things that are very clear. And if you've had any kind of listening here this morning, you know what the main theme of the Bible is. You know what the prophets have said. We're all born into sin and we're headed for damnation. But God has made a way before the beginning of time. He knew that he was offered his one and only son, that whosoever will could repent and receive him and be saved. That's the message of the Bible. A child can understand that. A child can understand that. Clearly understood. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful God. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Aren't you glad I don't have time to expound on that this morning? Because it sounds like what we had to deal with a few weeks ago, that maybe you can lose your salvation. Now, that's not the point. And we covered a few weeks ago, the emphasis is not whether you can lose it, but do you have it? You walked an in a church 20 years ago and you got no evidence today that you're saved. Get right with God. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen.
0: We're so thankful you tuned in for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. As we continue to learn from the book of 2 Peter together, we pray that this study challenges you to live a life more like Christ. Peter walked with Jesus for three years, and he had the opportunity to see firsthand what it means to live like Jesus. Aren't you glad we have his writings to help us grow in our faith? If you'd like to hear more teachings like this from Pastor Danny or hear today's message again, head on over to our website, ccfstpete.church. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to be notified when we post anything new. And if you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you. At Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry, we meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and again on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. It's an incredible time of worship and Bible study. You can find directions and more by going to our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. If you're unable to join us in person, we also offer a live stream of our weekend services. Just visit our website and click on the link in the menu. Pastor Danny has more to share from this series, so we hope you'll tune in again next time. We're glad to know that you're a part of our listening audience, and we're praying for you. We hope that you'll continue to tune in as we learn more from 2 Peter right here on The Living Word.